heard a secret? He didn't hear a secret. Did you guys hear the secret? Did you guys hear the secret? You're sitting right next to the people who have the secret. Hey, you know what the secret is? Hey, Jesus isn't dead. Jesus is alive. Good news? Like, I'm not sure how good of a news it is to you this morning. I mean, you guys realize that Jesus is not dead? That Jesus is alive. You guys get that? Are you, sh- you sure? You, sh- you, sh- you should, I mean, you get that, right? Like, like he stopped breathing. His heart stopped beating. He was put in a casket and lay dead, wrapped in cloth, with herbs poured over him. Like Jesus was not glorified dead, like wretched, sorrowful people weeping and mourning dead. And then three days later, he was... He wasn't anymore. Do you get that? Do you get that? He was like as dead as dead could be. And then he started breathing again. His heart started beating again. And then he, then the miraculous happened. And, and he didn't just come back to life in like a ghost form, but in a physical form. Like this resurrected Jesus had the piercings, but he didn't have the scars anymore. And he didn't have the stains of blood on him anymore. He was like alive in a bodily form. Like he ate fish, Shaka. Yeah? Like he ate fish and bread and he took communion with people. He hung out with, what did they say? They said about 500 different people over in a period of 50 days. Jesus came back to life. Jesus came back to life. Can I elaborate on that a little bit more? Like Jesus came back from the dead. Like, not in, like, spirit form, but in, like, physical form. Like, physical redeemed form. In, uh, in March, the movie Risen came out. It's, like, this depiction of this, like, uh, the, the death of Jesus and the days that, uh, you know, led after that. And Clavius is this soldier who's charge of making sure that Jesus stays dead and he walks up to the cross when Jesus is dead and Jesus is just mutilated you know and he sees Jesus for the first time he never really knew much of the story and and this is part fiction part non-fiction movie and 
and he sees Jesus, and then, you know, he's in charge of putting the guards around the tomb, making sure that Jesus' body stays there. Three days later, the body of Jesus disappears, and then this mystery kind of unfolds of him trying to investigate where the body of Jesus went. And he cannot find the bodies, and they start digging up graves, and, you know, the head uh, governor is like, what are you doing? He's like, what? I'm trying to find you a body. Because it's day four now, and he's probably decaying, so this could be your Jesus right here. So he can't find the body, and so he starts searching for the followers of Jesus, these disciples. And so they kind of, he finds one of them, and he's interviewing them, and this disciple is just glazed over, oblivious to this the, the questioning and the possibility of him being imprisoned and him being put to death. And he's like, he has no care in the world. Why? Because he saw the risen Lord. They find another uh, eyewitness and the same thing is happening. Yeah? And this, uh, this soldier is just like baffled. He's like, you're, I don't know what you're on right now, but you're not here on earth. Because I saw this guy and he was dead. There is no way, no way possible that he could be alive right now. So he's still on a mission, right? He finds the disciples and they, they're, they're in this town. And so he kind of corners this town and they go through the town just ransacking rooms and, and houses in search of these disciples. And he kind of sees some disciples scurrying to this room and he kind of sends the other soldiers away and he's like, I got this. And he walks into the room, and for the first time, he sees with his own eyes the same guy that just days before was on the cross, in the grave, alive and well. And I love how the, the, the producer uh, depicts this encounter. The soldier walks into the room, and he's just like taken back. He's speechless. He's just in awe of what he's I mean just it's unbelievable it's not realistic it's not real that not only is this guy like alive but he's not even scarred and he's in front of me and he drops his sword and sits down on the wall and is just staring at Jesus and I came out of there like kind of excited a little bit, you know, I was like, oh, this guy's like, you know, I just kind of felt like that, that emotion of Jesus coming back to real life. In March of this last year, uh, King Kekalike High School lost one of their security guards. Uh, Uncle Donald Poi Poi, the senior, his middle name is Kaipo, which is kind of cool, right? I mean, you got to have a middle name. I'm just saying, if you're having a baby, it's not a bad day to have, Okay. <laughs> Well, he passed away at school, and this, this old Hawaiian uncle was shaka. Like, every single time I would see him, praise the Lord, like, close by, far away, just shouting, like, on this, like, public school campus, just praising God all the time. Like, seriously, every, there, there wasn't a single time where I came up to him that his first words out of his mouth wasn't, praise the Lord, Jesus is risen, you know, and so he, he uh, was building this, uh, this structure for the kids, and he was on his backhoe, and he just, his heart stopped on the machine. He ended up passing away a couple days later, and we went to the funeral. And uh, 
and I took a bunch of our kids because they all kind of knew him, and, um, and I remember, you know, we, we walked down the middle, we, we, it was an open casket, and uh, the family was in the front, so say my greetings, you know, look at the casket, then we sit down, and we're just kind of waiting for the, uh, for the service to begin, and I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at him, and God brings me back to this Risen movie. And I look over to Taylor, who's the Christian Club president, this senior, and I'm like, how crazy would it be if this uncle just sat up right now? <laughs> yeah, praise the Lord. It's real, you know. I was like, guys would lose it right now. You know, I'm just kind of like, and I start getting kind of excited. I'm like, brah, seriously, what would happen right now? She's like, no. <laughs> you know, she's like, people would run out to the road and get run over. People would die of a heart attack. Like, you know, we would have like just, it would be the talk of the town, right? I mean, it seriously would, all of Maui would know that this uncle was dead for days and then he came back to life. And I'm like, wow, we got to pray. We got to at least try, right? She's like, no, I, no, no. I'm like, come on. She's like, not happening. I'm like, we got to at least try, right? She's like, okay, I'll go with you, but I'm not saying anything, you know? So I walk up to the front, right? And I just like, uh, it'd be pretty rad right now if you came back to life. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, like, I know you love the Lord and he has power over the grave. He doesn't come back to life. A couple days later, God starts speaking to me and he says, Hey, you know that excitement that you had that night? You can still have it because it's true. I did that 2,000 years ago. And those people who I visited, those people who I saw, they never stopped talking about me. It's true. Jesus is alive. I mean, you think about it nowadays, they'll put people away for life on a couple testimonies. Like in court, people will go away for a long time and be found guilty, like their statement true on a couple of eyewitness accounts. How about over 500 accounts? So this Jesus, right, this resurrected Jesus, he comes back and he teaches about one topic. Pretty important, no? You would think, right? Like if the disciples weren't taking notes at first, they're for sure taking notes after. Right? Come on, church, right? Like you guys see me all the time, you guys are not taking notes right now. But imagine if I died and I came back and I preached, you guys would be like, what is this guy talking about? This is the guy's... <laughs> Jesus comes back for 40 days. And he speaks about the topic of the kingdom of God. Like the kingdom of his father. That is unlike any kingdom of this world. And I want to spend some time this morning. We, we've been in this series. Um, if you're just here for the first time, we just completed an eight-week series about soul shift. And in the, in the middle of that soul shift, talks about these disciples who walk with Jesus. And they were here in the world with their minds on the world, but they were, they were walking with the unworldly one. 
And he's teaching them about the kingdom and what it values. And they just don't get it until the end. And we, uh, Pastor Sean has done a great job of just uh, painting us some great pictures of the kingdom. And so this last week, I was actually thinking about praying, preaching about prayer slash discipleship. And so I read through the book of Matthew, and I was just looking for these, these themes. And Matthew doesn't really talk about prayer all that much. And outside of the 12, he doesn't actually give a whole lot of um, uh, opportunity for, or talks about Jesus actually inviting people to follow him. But the one theme that, Pete, that Matthew talks about in his book over 50 times is this very topic of God's kingdom and how we are to be as God's people who are a part of his kingdom. So this morning, I just want to give you a couple of stories about and, and maybe insight about the kingdom of God, and then we're finished. Sounds good? I mean, it was good enough for Jesus to talk about for 40 days post-resurrection. It's probably pretty good for us to give a little bit of our time and attention to it this morning. Amen? Okay, so let's, before we get to it, let's, let's pause and pray. That was all the intro. Good? I mean, really, you could leave right now, and that would be a great little warm-up to your life, right? That Jesus is alive, he's not dead, period. Done, deal, go and tell the world. You could totally could leave at this point, but those that do stay, let's talk about the kingdom. Okay? Good? All right, let's pray. Jesus, thanks so much for this morning. We give you all the praise, glory, and honor. It is you who came back from the dead. It is you who conquered the grave. It is you who uh, conquered death and sin. And uh, for all those who believe and trust in your name, God, you have given us the right to become uh, and to be called sons and daughters of God, to be a part of not just this world, God, but to be part of your kingdom, your kingdom that has no end. So this morning, Father, we just ask that you would uh, open us up, God, to the reality uh, of the eternal, because everything of this world, God, is not going to last and you really plead with us, you encourage us to live for the everlasting. So Jesus, just give us insight this morning um, into what it is that you talked about, God, when you were here. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, so the kingdom of God, right? It was the very thing that Jesus proclaimed and he teached when he began his ministry. Matthew 4, 23, um, you have a bunch of, you have notes in front of you. I didn't put all the scriptures, but I can get you the scriptures after. If you want them, I can email them to you. Just let me know. If not, write fast. I'll talk limited and we'll get through this. So um, Matthew 4, 23, and he, Jesus, went through all of Galilee teaching in their synagogues, which is like their churches, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom um, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. After Jesus began to do his ministry, big crowds would follow him and, and they tried to keep him in towns. And he would say to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And this, the kingdom of God, uh, when we, so Jesus in, in Matthew 24, 14 says before he uh, not only in the beginning is what he preached it, and throughout his ministry did he preach this, but before he comes again the second time, this gospel of his kingdom will be preached to all nations in all places. Yeah, Matthew 24, 14, and this is the gospel of the kingdom uh, will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. And so two parts, right, this morning. We're talking about the gospel and the kingdom. So what is, uh, let's start with the kingdom, right? So the, the literal definition of kingdom is uh, this realm in which a sovereign king rules. 
the realm in which a sovereign king rules. And so we're talking about this kingdom, and the king for sure is the father, and his realm isn't just earth, but all the things outside of earth, amen? Like this spiritual realm, this heavenly realm that, I mean, it's the kingdom of God is synonymous with the kingdom of heaven. I think that may be a little bit easier for us to understand that it's not the kingdom of the world, it's the kingdom of heaven, which is the kingdom of God's, which means Jesus needed to teach us about that. Why? Because it's nothing and it's unlike anything that we know. Like our kingdoms end when they get conquered. Our kingdoms end when we die. Jesus' kingdom began when he came back to life. Good? Good. Okay? Which kind of pushes the point of why we needed him to teach this. Why? Because it's unlike anything that we know. Jesus taught that, um, so in the book of John, I think there's only four times where the kingdom of God is mentioned. Jesus answered uh, uh, in John 18, 36, my kingdom is not of this world. So this is Jesus before Pontius Pilate. And he says, um, if my kingdom were of this world, wouldn't you think that my servants would be here fighting for me? That I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. And talking to the Pharisees, he says, um, in Luke 17, 20, and 21, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he said, uh, and answered, in the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it, it is, or there, behold, the kingdom of God um, is already in your midst. But he's saying this. It's not like any other kingdom that you see. It's not like a, a government with walls and, and an actual ruler with soldiers that you can see, touch, and hold, because that's really what the, the Jews wanted. They were a people being ruled by a foreign government and they wanted Jesus to come back and be the ruling king and take over rule and they could have their land back. And all the Hawaiians said, yeah, you know, like that's a similar feel, right? Being ruled by a foreign government and being told what to do by a foreign group of people. And they wanted Jesus to come back and give them back what was theirs. And Jesus says, my kingdom is not like that. Because that will come to an end. Kingdoms of the world will come to an end. My kingdom and my people, there is no end. Good? Good, right? Come on. Okay? Amen. Amen. So uh, a couple things. When we, when we talk about uh, the kingdom or when Jesus talks, we, we know that the kingdom, there's, there's a gate. So in, in Matthew seven fourteen. Uh, we, we know that there's walls because he says there's a gate, right? For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are, are very few. Yeah, so this kingdom has an entrance way. Amen? And he even talks in Matthew 16, 19 that there's keys to this kingdom. I will give you keys to the kingdom of heaven. And what if you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven? This is right after uh, Peter proclaims that you are the Christ, the risen Lord. And he says, Peter... You got the keys, brother, to make it to the gate that will get you into the kingdom, okay? We also learn that there's this, uh, this hierarchy within God's kingdom. Matthew 18, 1, at this time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Like, is there this greatest to least? You heard a little bit of it in the video this morning. Uh, great resource. So I got that video. I didn't do it on my own. I mean, I, you know, I just don't got that skills. 
Pastor Sean really good with skills on the video. You know, a lot of the pre-service videos that we see is Pastor Sean made. Like, that guy's got skills, okay? Um, great preacher, amen? amen? Great pastor. Man, that guy is loving. He's caring. He's kind. Like, he takes time out for uh, one-on-ones. Like, he spends time and dedication to our local body. Pray for him. This weekend, him and, and Jess are at this marriage conference uh, on the west side and and you know great i love being able to take over his responsibilities for a little bit you know and just let them have some time off amen um and so when we're thinking about like who is the greatest right in the kingdom like this this hierarchy of being last and first and who's the most important jesus says whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven like humility at the top yeah at the top. I just realized I didn't tell you why I was telling you about Sean. What, the video that I put up. The, the Bible project. It, tons of videos uh, about the different books of the Bible. They're not finished through all 66, but it's in there. So if you want just to look on different things for your Bible study and big themes about books, the Bible project. YouTube, they got their own website. Good, good resource for you guys. You guys just write that down. The Bible project. Okay? All right, so Jesus says that who is the greatest, right? When they were asked, he said the greatest uh, is he who models uh, humility, okay? So we're talking about this gospel, right? So the first part, this kingdom, this sovereign space, where th- th- this, this realm in which this sovereign king rules, the second part of that, the gospel. The gospel, literally meaning the good news. And what is the good news? Yeah, he's alive, right? He's alive that miraculously Jesus was fully God and yet fully human. And that fully God, fully human person lived, loved, taught some amazing things and then died a brutal death on the cross, was dead, lied in the tomb for three days. And then the miraculous happened, the divine happened, that Jesus, fully God, fully human person came back to life. So let's elaborate a little bit more. I've done this a couple times in, in, in my messages, but this is a great tool for us teaching the gospel message. So everybody raise your right hand. Okay, raise your right hand. All right, awesome. So the right hand we're going to represent um, is going to represent God today. Okay, so God, right hand in scriptures, right hand of blessing, right hand of authority, right hand of power. Okay, so right hand will represent God. So God amongst his, all, his characteristics, two things that stick out. He's holy. And he's sinless. Holy is like separated, you know, set apart, perfect, and then sinless. Okay, you guys got that? God is holy and sinless. Okay, good job. You guys can relax a little bit. Good. Sunday morning exercises, right? Okay, raise your left hand. Yeah, left hand is a side of rejection. Left hand, Matthew 25, he's going to separate the righteous to the right and the disobedient to the left. You don't want to be on the left side. But if you're left-handed, it's all good because I'm left-handed. Yeah, and I think I can make it to the kingdom of God today. Okay? Awesome. So left hand is going to represent humans. Humans, unlike God, humans are? Right. Unholy and? Full of sin. Okay. Sinful is kind of like the Christianese. I'm just, we're just mixing it up today. Okay. So they're full of sin. Okay. All right. So right hand, God is? Holy and? Hey, everybody outside, what's up? What's up? Watching the video. Raise those hands. Okay. Good job. I paid attention back there. Watching you. Josh, pay attention out there. Okay, right hand, God is holy and sinless. Left hand, man is unholy and 
full of sin. Amen? You guys got that? One time. Le right hand, God is? Holy. holy and? Left hand, man is? Okay, so God is holy, man is not holy. God is sinless, man is sinful. The problem is separation. Because God is a holy God, a part of the holy God is this purification process. In scripture, it talks about different people who have gotten close to God and, and they've died because God's purification process either, either cleansed them or killed them. So praise God for the separation, amen? That while we are still yet in sin, it's probably better for us to be separated from God, but that's a problem because God is a loving God and we would want to be close to that God. Sin is divisive. Sin brings division. Sin causes separation. So the problem is distance that was caused by sin. The solution is Jesus. What Jesus did on the cross was he forever paid the price for the sin that was on our shoulders. Right? So when you talk about sin, you talk about judgment, you talk about punishment. Because we are sinful and disobedient, we, the humans, were supposed to pay a price for our Sins, our mistreatment of people, our theft, our robbery, right? Because we did the crime, we're supposed to pay the time. But the mercy of God was showed to us that the, the punishment that was supposed to be on our shoulders wasn't given to us. It was given to Jesus. So we were shown mercy because our punishment didn't come to us. It went to Jesus. And then instead of punishment shown to us, grace was shown to us in so much as not only did we not get the punishment, but we got love. So the problem is separation. The solution was Jesus. So because Jesus is in the, in the picture, we who were distant and far off can now have relationship with God again. That is the good news. That is the gospel that Jesus preached. When he came back from the dead, he said, hey, guys, the miraculous has happened. You can have access to the holy one, to the sinless one. You can have a personal relationship even with him. Just let that simmer a little bit in your spirit this morning. That you, the finite, can have uh, a one-on-one -on -one with the infinite. I mean, sometimes we can't get even the attention of like our boss, you know, or our kids. You know, come to a Monday night and see, you know, how good I am at getting the attention of our kids. Let alone the billions that are on this earth. And yet, we can have the undivided attention of our Father. Amen. So in scripture, uh, Jesus would paint us these great pictures, these great pictures of the kingdom of God because uh, picture sometimes is like a thousand words, amen? You know, and he would create these great parables and these great stories. I just want to elaborate on, on one, um, the wedding feast, right? This is really appropriate, amen? <laughs> really appropriate. I mean, this is kind of one of my favorites and then even more so that I'm getting married. Hey, thank you guys for praying for me. I mean, I just want to give a shout out to um, my family who's not here this morning and the, the Duns, Paul, Jeannie. Thank you for creating a great daughter, you know? 
This wouldn't have happened without them. So praise God. Um, so Matthew 22. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read it um, and 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 just create an image in your mind of of what the kingdom of God is like. So and again, Jesus spoke. Uh, to them in parables saying the kingdom of heaven which is like the kingdom of God may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son he sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast but they would not come again he sent other servants saying tell those who are invited see I have prepared my dinner uh, my oxen my fat calves I have slaughtered I've emued my pig wait what <laughs> that's, that's not in there but if it was a Hawaii version guarantee yeah, it's right. It's, you guys like, come on, it's good. You guys gotta read scripture like that, right? It's a wedding feast. I'm, I'm gonna eat more pig, right? Come on. I never give you the address. It's all good. And everything is ready. Tell them, come. The wedding feast is prepared. Verse five. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants. They treated them shamefully, some they even killed. The king was angry. He sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burnt their cities. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those who invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite uh, to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all of them that they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. That is a great picture of the kingdom of God. The chosen ones that were invited, they never like come. Not only did they not come, but they mistreated the servants of the king. And rightly so, the king sent out his troops to punish the disobedient justice reigning in the land but the positive is that there is still room you know there was still room and the celebration needed to go on so go out further get the good get the bad get them all all would, who would answer the call to be a part of my kingdom all who would receive the invite they can come cool that's a great picture great story about the kingdom of god a couple more verses. Jesus would continue. He says, but when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And the, the guy was speechless. And then the king had the attendants bind him hand and foot, cast him out into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. That doesn't make sense, right? The invite went out to the chosen ones, and then the invite went on to all, like good and bad. Everybody was invited, amen? And then the king walks in, and then he sees somebody who is there that isn't supposed to be there. Head scratcher, right? When I first read this, uh, you know, when I first started studying this like years ago, I was thinking like, man, that doesn't make any sense. But the, the critical component to this is the wedding garment. The understanding is that not only did the king invite them, but he would prepare them. Hey, come in just as you are, and I'll allow you to shower, prep yourself for the wedding, and I'll even give you wedding garments to wear. That we are all invited to God's kingdom to come just as we are, 
But along the process, there's a great cleansing that happens, a great partnership that happens where we are not left the same. See, because Jesus wasn't just calling random people to stay random. He was calling the random to become a part of his family. Amen? Like, I can't invite, I mean, I, I really wanted to. You know, I, wanted to, I had this pasture land picked out, and I was going to invite hundreds. Like, my first wedding list was like 800, and it kept on going. I was like, let's celebrate this, you know? And Seth's like, mm, not happening. And so when I'm picking out of the number, right, and I'm like, okay, we can't do 800. We're only doing a lot less than 800. You got to believe that the, the, the people that I pick are, like, strategic, you know? Like, they're people that I love. Jesus was like, when he's talking about this king, this king invited everyone. But they didn't just stay distant. They became a part of his family if they choose to go along with the journey. Good? A couple more verses as we wrap up this morning. So the verse I said earlier, um, Matthew taught in, uh, Jesus taught in Matthew 7, 14, that the gate is narrow and the way that leads to life, you know, few find that, yeah? Paul would elaborate on that in, in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, where he says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither, neither the sexual immoral nor the idolater, nor the adulterer, nor men who practice uh, homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, revelers, swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And, and, and these were the ones who were invited, for sure. But God clothed him, the king clothed these people in his righteousness. These are the humans that are unholy and full of sin, Amen trying to get to this wedding feast of this God who is, un, who is not sinful and who is holy. Yeah, he's sinless, he's holy. And in order to be a part of his kingdom, the cleansing process needs to happen where we no longer take on the identity that, that is listed off in this First Corinthians passage, but we start taking on the identity of the king. We take off the garments of the old, the sinful, of the unholy, the, the, the sinful and the unholy garments, and we put on the garments of the the king amen where we start identifying with the finished work of jesus christ on the cross and so when we're talking about uh this kingdom jesus would um use and 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 and, it, and you guys know many of these verses right so right in the beginning jesus says the big part in this is repent right in the beginning jesus says, repent for the kingdom of god is at hand a critical component from going from unholy and sinful to becoming holy and sinless is this repentance thing where he says god i am sorry for my ignorance of your reality i've been living for myself my entire life i no longer want to live just for me and myself i want to start living for you in your ways because your ways are greater your ways are higher your ways are eternal mine are not i mean i don't even know what i'm doing tomorrow let alone a thousand years from now teach me follow me lead me and jesus says repent what is repentance stop going your way and start heading my way 
I love it. It's in our mission statement to journey with people in this loving relationship. Like one moment, we don't know him. The next moment, we know him. But then it's the journey of growing in this loving relationship with God and his people. Amen? Learning what it means. Like it's like, uh, uh, what, is that? what is that show, um, The Extreme Makeover, Home Edition, right? Isn't it a tearjerker? Raise of hands to anybody who's cried watching that movie. Come on, you guys all lying over here, right? Like me and Auntie Debbie in the back. Yeah, for sure. I let her cry. Something with my eye. Okay? But it's that thing of like coming into my redeemed house now and you're like, whoa, this is the same but not the same. And so there's this journey of those families learning about what their new house is about. It's the same thing. I go from not knowing the Lord to kind of knowing the Lord. And then it's this journey of trusting in him and becoming more like him and understanding more about his kingdom and his people through his word, through gathering with one another and becoming more like God. Becoming more like his people, aligning ourselves with not teachings and philosophies of this world, but teachings and philosophies of Jesus. In John chapter 3, Jesus taught, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of, uh, unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is talking to this religious teacher, and he's like, uh, I'm lost. I got to go into my mom's womb all over again. And Jesus is like, dang it, you're kind of lost. He, he, goes, he goes deeper, and Jesus says, unless you're born uh, of water and of spirit, you can't even enter the kingdom of God. And then the verse that uh, is probably the memory verse for all of us, right? For God so loved the world, yeah? That he gave his only son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. Two more verses for this morning. This is a good one. John 1, 12. Jesus says, but to all who did receive him, this is actually John writing of Jesus, John the disciple, it says, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, that's the name of Jesus, he gave them the right to become children of God. In order for us to move from the unholy, sinful, full of sin side to the holy and sinless side, this journey begins with repentance and faith. Believing that this story, even though I don't understand all of it, is actually true that there was a real person 2,000 years ago that lived, loved, and he taught some great teachings. But this guy showed that he was more than human when he went to the grave and came back from death three days later. And scripture says, if I believe in him and I, and I trust in his teachings and his ways, that very story will be my story. It may not be a grave and we may not die on the cross. But when we stop breathing and when our heart stops beating, our first breath will be in heaven. Our next heartbeat will be by the Father's side. That's the good news. That's the gospel message. But it takes faith to believe in that. But it takes faith to believe in the counter. So that is an option. If that's not your option, what is your option? What happens when you die? What is other explanations of post this? Do you believe that nothing happens after you die? Regardless of what your answer is to post our breath and heartbeat, all of them need to be taken by faith. Amen? It all needs to be taken by faith. And people struggle with faith. 
when it comes to the discussion about whether I live for God or not, or I live for myself, or I live for other teachings and philosophies, people struggle with this faith question, and yet we trust our lives with so much less things. Like, when's the last time you went to the back of a restaurant and actually, like, checked out who was making the food? Right? When's the last time you, like, rode a plane and, like, checked out if, like, the Denzel Washington movie was actually happening, you know? Like, and you were on the plane, you know? You're like, you've been smoking, like, what are you doing? Are you good to go? Like, you have your night's, good night's rest? When's the last time you went to the hospital and you're like, how you doing, doc? I did that, you know, like, I had a surgery, like, a couple years ago, and I'm like, so, how you doing? Like, you know, like, I'm trying to, like, vex this guy out, like, you got some scales in this area? And he's like, I got you, you know, I've done, like, over, like, a thousand of these. I'm like, okay, I think you know what you're doing. We trust our lives with so much less. We struggle with this faith question when it comes to Jesus, and yet we don't struggle with the faith question when we trust our lives in so much less than God. We trust our lives with mere humans, and then when it comes to the God question, we're all like, I don't know about this God. What is the clear second? What is the other option? Find it out for you and chase it with your entire life. But if you don't find it, I'm telling you that the God way is a great way. But you got to test it out. I love this because I don't have to sell you on Christianity. The God of the universe desires that none would perish and all would come to repentance. This first step of realizing that hey i might not understand all that god is but i want to at least take the first step and saying god come and teach me open up to my mind and my heart and my life all the things that you have hidden in scripture and he's going to start clothing us with his garments where we can take off the garment of self-pity We can take off the garment of woe is me. Or we can take off the garments of being identified with adulterer and thief and, you know, person who cusses. And, like, you think about, like, all the things that label us. When we start this journey of repentance, we leave off those garments and and God gives us his new garment. Amen? Where we're no longer identified by our bad decisions, but now we're identified by the great decision of Jesus on the cross. Way better than your good decisions, amen? You're not just defined by your good decisions, you're defined by the decision of Jesus to humble himself, even though he was fully God, and submit himself to the Father, and then endure the cross. Because in the end, that's who we want to be identified with. Are you one of the sons? Are you one of the daughters of the king? And you either are going to have the garments of Jesus on you or you're not. It's black and white. It's clean or dirty. And so my question to you this morning, um, especially for those who come all the time, if you're new this morning, hey, you just got a great sermon, you know, some videos. It's all shaka. We're almost finished, you know, before time, 10 o'clock. You can, it's, it's beautiful. You live on Maui. I love that you guys came. No pressure, okay? If you have questions, come talk to me after. Um, we got connect cards. Just say, hey, put your name, number. One of the pastors will follow up with you. If this is your first time, you're good, yeah? But if this is not your first time and you come all the time, seriously, if you have 
if you have received Jesus and you believe in his name, my question to you is, so what are you doing? What are you doing with that knowledge? Because it is not good enough for you just to know it. It is selfish for you to know it and not tell somebody and not react in a loving way, right? Really, it's this love that God has poured out to us. Can you at least be loving towards somebody else? Intentionally, in the name of Jesus. Consider yourself second and put them first. I mean, if you believe in this, Jesus has paid the price for your sin. There's no guilt, no shame, no condemnation. So you're left with a clean slate, you know? You're left with a clean slate. You're like, your bills have been paid. You know, your gas is full. Your car is ready. Your oil is checked. Where are you going to go? Who are you going to visit? There's probably food in your hamper. Who are you going to go feed? Maybe you got a house. Who are you going to invite over? What are you doing with the knowledge and the truth that Jesus came back from the dead? And he loves you. He knows you. He's invited in you into relationship. And I love Christianity in the 21st century. Because you can do all kinds of stuff now, you know? Like back in the monk days, like the only the, the good Christians were the ones who stayed in the cave. But nowadays we can have fun like fishing, we can have fun eating, we can have fun hiking, all in the name of Jesus. You know, what is, that, what is it that you're passionate for? Take that very thing, get somebody else to come along with you, and just spend life with them. Love on them. Because through your loving relationship with them, they're going to understand who Jesus is. Do what you do. You know? Do what you do in the name of Jesus. So a couple of practical applications like for here. For those who have just started this journey, continue to come on our weekend services. You'll, you'll hear great teachings. You'll get to meet amazing believers. Hats off to you guys. Okay? There's so many like great believers around here who are loving, encouraging, kind, and I'm preaching to the choir, you know? Like you can just go like this right now, okay? Uh, we got life groups, right? Every week we do what we do here, just smaller, where we start to ask the questions that we have, you know? Like what does the Bible say? Like and you just start doing life together and understanding more about God's word in a smaller group setting. And then serving, like, is a great opportunity of journeying with one another to become more like God. Why? Because Jesus served. Because he served, we should also... Oh, you guys are good, man. You guys are good. Okay? And then if you're doing that and you move along that in, a, in, 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 in some time, invite somebody. In, invite someone to come along that journey with you. Amen? Just, hey, let's, let's do life together. You know, if each one of us, like I did the numbers before, if like 10 people reached 3 people and taught those 3 to do the, th the same thing, everybody would know on Maui about Jesus in like five and a half years. A group this size that commits to journeying with people would probably be within a couple years. We just got to do our part, amen? We have to save the world, but let's just spend some time loving on people. Good? I, I'm trying to make it as simple as possible for you, you know? God did all the hard work. Let's just hang out with people, amen? Eat with them, hang out with them, go to the beach after church with them, you know? 
So I love you guys. The last words of Jesus. So he teaches about the kingdom of God, and then he gives this final scripture. Jesus came and he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Last words before he goes to heaven. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. What a disciple? A follower. Someone who follows the teachings of Jesus. Who's started their journey, right? Where they repented and they just really believed in the Father. And they've learned about that along the way. Baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that he has commanded. And lo, he is with us always, even to the end of the age. That's the last words of Jesus. Pretty good last words for me this morning. Amen.